Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast. My name is Laura Boyle, and as always, I get to be your host for this uh, increasingly without format exploration of polyamory and ethical non-monogamy. Today's episode follows what I thought was going to be the format of every episode, a lovely conversation with a practicing polyamorist of some odd years on a topic related to polyamory. So today we're going to discuss triads, the ways that they can be difficult and why people generally want to be in them anyway with my metamor of four years and a polyamorist of six years, Daniel Greenwolf. Daniel is uh, also incidentally the host of the Greenwolf podcast, a podcast that I enjoy quite a bit that you can find the links to in the notes, uh, and the star of the Celtic Magic stage show, online streaming shows, and live magic and fire shows, which you can find links to his websites in the notes as well. So, now that all of the pimping of everyone's projects is out of the way, uh, oh yes, did I mention that we're connected to the readyforpolyamory.com blog? That always Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we post. So this is a topic that I find kind of hard to comment on. Basically, for me, triads are the most complicated format to be in. There are so many interactions in the seven relationships in a triad, the the obvious four of the ones between the three people in the relationship as dyads and all together as a triad, and each of those people's relationships with themselves, that it's really hard to maintain comfort and balance and for me they've never worked out so you know somewhere in the eight to ten years ago range I swore off being in this type of relationship and so I feel really lucky to have a metamor who basically prefers this type of relationship and or at least appears to because it's the type of relationship he lands in he's been in one quad and a few triads over the years that he's been a polyamorist so I was really lucky to have the resource of Daniel to talk to about this So I hope that you enjoy listening to our conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Uh, And I'm basically giving you a cut for smoothness, but not cut 
at all in terms of content version of my conversation with Daniel about this subject. And I hope you enjoy it. It's like, uh, for instance, how you, you kind of said, why do I seem that I prefer triads? Uh, because I'm in two of them. Uh, and the, the truth of the matter is, is that I, I don't prefer triads. It's just what happens. Um, I was not planning in either instance. So I've, I've been in, I've been, well, I've been, in, I've been in three, I've been in one quad for a short period of time and then three triads and one has persisted. Uh, nevertheless, they persisted uh, for <laughs> uh, for six and a half years or so, and uh, my quad lasted as long as my initial marriage did, um, which uh, I've talked about in other places. But, mm-hmm. but basically, when I when I met uh, my partners, um, which is pretty straightforward, when I met Ken and Vanessa, uh, I was with my ex wife, who was not my ex at the time, and for eight months we all kind of dated together because I was not polyamorous before that. Mm-hmm. I was just open. I was just open sexually. Um, so uh, this is a whole new realm. This was a whole new realm for me going back uh, six and a half years. Uh, in fact, I'd even, I'd completely said polyamory was terrible. Like I was, I was totally of the mindset of it's bad. There's going to be jealousy and it's going to be hard. And it's, and, and I was right on all of those points. <laughs> but, well, right. But it I is was, hard. It is. And there is jealousy and there is self-esteem and there is all these things that are involved, but it's no different than being in a regular relationship. So what I came across was like, and then I saw the, talking about extremes, I saw the extreme in my ex-wife who basically was done with me and was using polyamory as an excuse to jump to actually Ken uh, was the thing, you know. And so uh, that was so hard and so jarring and so left a bad taste in my mouth that. Yeah, in all um, of yours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still I mean, I still have I see a therapist um, uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, I actually technically see as I think everyone should (laughs) everybody everybody should everybody should but I see two therapists and one of the reasons is is because I've got some serious uh, there's some serious things that have that have come through because of the fact of my ex-wife and what was done to me um, you know was akin to emotional abuse Um, you know it 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 was astonishing and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm certain she probably would have a laundry list herself of things that I had I that I had done you know it's that nothing is ever uh, one-sided. Sure. But, but, but the reason why I ended up falling into, um, kind of triads is, uh, <laughs> I still love that. It sounds like we're part of some weird, uh, Asian gang. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's no better, there's no really, there's no better term. So I like triad. Uh, but generally speaking, I think that it's more common if the people you connect with all kind of end up sharing the same vibe. And so I think that triads happen because not when you try to force it, uh, uh, it's painful. Um, and I feel like, and I've been on that side of it too, where I feel like I ended up trying to force, uh, or I, I think I ended up forcing a triad, uh, because I saw what was being said and what was being felt were two different things yeah. from what I was seeing. And I shouldn't play. You, you can't play relationship. You, you can't play. Uh, you Cuban. can't play matchmaker here. No, <laughs> you should never play matchmaker and you should do it even less when you are with both of the people you are with. Yes. Um, it, it does not work well, but 
uh, I feel like that that's going to happen more naturally. Yeah, we're fine. <laughs> so uh, let's roll on yeah. to really uh, sort of this question of why people want to be in triads even though they're hard. And this is going to sort of touch on a number of issues. First, it's that basically the media seems to generally want to portray uh, polyamorous units that are monogamy plus one that start as a couple who meet someone and then they enter into this big wide world of polyamory. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just the media who sort of portray that. One of the biggest books about polyamory is titled More Than Two. Um, And uh, we got, so there's two writers of it. And because the woman gets the royalties, please do buy the hard copy book instead of using their website. The man who abused her after the book was published uh, is the owner of the website. So uh, buy the book. Eve gets royalties. Don't look at Franklin's website by the same name. Don't hire him at your events. But uh, so this basic idea that uh, sort of the goal is three people who are all equally in love with one another, that your equilateral triangle is the best and strongest way to do that, or that you're aiming for two couples who were spectacularly in love within their couple who are now spectacularly in love altogether is a really pervasive stereotype in polyamory. And it's something that you end up seeing done in healthy ways sometimes, but also that gives rise to a number of negative stereotypes. The unicorn hunting which is in some scare quotes a couple who are looking for a bisexual woman to be their greatest true love uh, which means that actually they're looking for her to not have any opinions except their own exactly Uh, and triads are in real life a minimum of four relationships. You could say seven because each of the people has a relationship with themselves. Sure, but let's but let's just go with the basic four. Right, let's have stick to with four. With. Yeah. It's, you know, person A to person B, person A to person C, and B and C with one another, as well as the three of them as a unit. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that means that you sort of have to take time to nurture all four of those relationships. And that makes them a relatively hard format. And I'd like you to speak a little to your experience because you're currently in two of these relationships Mm -hmm. with one partner overlapping in both of them. Yep. Uh, I've I've been in two failed versions of these relationships where one was a quad. Yes. So there you go. 
So you're sort of much better poised to describe the challenges of this than I am because I was in an organically formed triad some 10 and a half years ago and that went badly enough that I said I was never going to be in one again and anyone who asked me to could go jump in a river. Um, so I'd like your point of view as someone who has had both positive and negative experiences in them. I, I absolutely. Um, and I think the first step to what would make a triad work is not expecting a triad to work. Um, <laughs> I think that's the, the, the worst. So for instance, the most successful relationship that I have had, I would say so is certainly with my husband, Ken and my wife, Vanessa. And I think the reason why is because I, Vanessa and I fell in love and I, I started off and, and my ex-wife, um, uh, fell in love with Ken and vice versa. At least that was the idea. He, he really liked her falling in love. I don't know, but he definitely, there was definitely strong emotion there right, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really I've heard felt... it phrased as fell in love and then fell out of love because of terrible behavior. Yes. I'd buy that. That that's the best way to put it because that's how it felt for me. Um, but with, with Ken, I strongly liked him. I was attracted to him. I thought he was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, my love developed very differently for him. Uh, and, and my love took time for, for, to, to develop in that way. Whereas mm-hmm. with, with Vanessa it was very organic, but there was never a sense that we were supposed to be, that I was supposed to be in relationship, um, with Ken. And then, uh, uh, as time went on, especially after my ex-wife left the picture, mm-hmm. uh, it came more clear to me that I definitely, of course I, I, you know, even before that, it, it was clear to me that I loved Ken. Um, and, and it was more so the fact of me that I, that I did love Ken in a very different way and that he loved me in a, in a different way than he loves Vanessa mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, uh, and, 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 and that was, that was kind of that first step for me was realizing that love exists on different levels. And it's such a basic concept. I know it's so basic, but for me at the time it was a revelation because, oh, go ahead. Well, and because it's so hard to acknowledge out loud that you do love both people, but in very different ways. And I think that's one of the first steps that people have to take to be in more than one polyamorous relationship at once. Absolutely. And on top of which, I feel like the problem is that we have this um, this monogamy, you know, the hierarchy monogamous mindset of I love you the most. And that, and that stuff is, you know, I love you. So, cause the only way you can love someone differently is by levels. So I love you more than I love this person like love, but love exists in so many different forms. Um, that, 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 it, that was a, for me at the time, especially was, was a revelation. And, uh, and, and I admit, you know, that came far later in life than I think it, it should have, but, but it did. And so, that was my first experience. And I realized that even with my other triads that formed, um, one which went horribly, horrendously wrong, uh, mainly because of communication of what the person wanted 
mm-hmm. started off one way, then changes something else, then changes something else, then changes something else. And unfortunately, it was never clear to us that that was an organic decision, that that was mm-hmm. a nat, like that wasn't like, oh, I think I really want this. Oh, I think I really want this. No, it was something where the last there was always, form was always what was wanted, but it was yeah. not clearly expressed or it was expressed in stages to try to get everyone on board. Exactly. And unfortunately that was never, ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because of just, there was so much, there was so much miscommunication and, and lies that was happening and a lot of double talk and things mm-hmm. like that. So, so, and then with my most recent, uh, triad, which again, was not an instance of us, of, of me looking for a relationship, um, especially not a relationship for both of us. I wasn't looking for a relationship at all. Mm-hmm. And it, we both met her at the same time. Uh, Vanessa and I both met uh, uh, Meadow at the same time, and we're we're open, so we 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 talk about. It. I can I'll use her name; it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but we both met her at the same time, and we both connected with her at the same time. And it was a thing of like, oh, we're these feelings are developing, and we're all uh, sexually fluid. Um, um, you know, either pansexual or bisexual, however you, the term, terminology you wish to use. Um, but, but it doesn't, you know, it, that gender was not an issue in what yep. made us attracted. And, uh, and so that just happened. And I think, and we've had, you know, uh, we've had troubles. We've had, uh, um, we've had rocky points. And in all of that, I've held on to the fact of like, well, if, if you if one of the relationships d- dissolves, it dissolves the three relation, the, the four person relationship and four or the three person relationship, I should say it dissolves that relationship because if one of the people doesn't want to be with the other person anymore, that dissolves, you know, two of the relationships immediately. Right. You know, but the other um, two can still continue, can still exist and continue. And that's something that I held true that I've held on to. And, and, and also our, the, the, all three of us have held on to rather strongly. And that seemed to be part of it too. Again, coming back to the idea that understanding that these should exist as separate entities mm-hmm. and exist. If, if this relationship with the three of folks is going to work out, then each one should exist on its own and voicing that and saying, this is what it is because then it takes away. Well, it doesn't take it away, but it, it it remove it ad, at least adds some extra cord to the sort of Damocles that hangs over the head of the person who, you know, maybe doesn't live with the other two people, or uh, or they're coming into this later than the other person is. Mm-hmm. Um, by saying, even if I break up with you, she still plans on being with you, um, or if she breaks up with you, I still plan on being with you. By saying that at the outset and holding that, and sometimes that's tested. And, and when it's proven, you know, that adds some cord to that sort of Damocles that you're not going, it's not going to fall on you yeah. and you're not going to die just because one relationship ends because then, cause you don't want fear to be the motivator for those being successful, mm-hmm. you know? And unfortunately, I mean, let's be fair. Fear is really, a um, a reason a lot of relationships stick around longer than they should. The yeah. fear of change, the fear of loneliness, the fear of, of of nobody else ever loving somebody, you know, will anybody else ever love me? Sure. No, you know, um, 
the, all those reasons. So if you can diffuse some of that, then I think that's where a triad becomes healthier. And I think that for what we've done, we've done a lot of work. You know, we've been in couples therapy. Um, uh, we've been in individual therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's that's very, very, very helpful in terms of, I mean, everything in life. You know, <laughs> Every, as we mentioned before, everybody needs a therapist. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like you definitely need to go to a place where um, everybody is willing to say, this, this, they all exist on their own and acknowledging those, those three different, four different relationships. that exist. Right. And sometimes I think that's harder, uh, when some of the people reside together and some of them don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, managing to create alone time for each of the dyads is harder when some yeah. of the people live together. Of course, uh, because because also you know there because there may there may not be an emotional hierarchy, but mm-hmm. there is a structural hierarchy that has to exist yep. when you know two of the three people are paying half of their own bills. You know, like when that comes to the case, when I've got to split my rent with uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know with with Vanessa and Ken, then that. From a from a fiscal and structural standpoint, that takes precedence. When we're when we're raising two kids, yeah. you know that structurally is taking precedence. That doesn't mean I love uh, Meadow any less, or that Vanessa loves Meadow any less. It means that we have to take care of these things, and unfortunately, that just by nature creates less time because that's right. the only finite resource that we're dealing with here. Really, um, is emotional and mental and physical time. You know. I am intimately aware of structural as you, hierarchy. <laughs> as you as you well know, you know, as you know, you're so very well aware. Um, but that's and it's and it becomes a, another problem in itself because some people don't disconnect structural hierarchy from emotional hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to work through, too. It's and, all a lot of unprogramming, deprogramming from monogamous uh, and various cultural cultural influences yeah and i think that's why triads are so interesting to people because on one level it is the easiest surface form of polyamory adding a third person seems to be to people to be the easiest thing because it's just one more person (laughs) it's the why would that be but the thing is is that it's 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 infinitely more difficult. And then it also does become infinitely more difficult with every person that you try to add. Well, you try sure. to make a pure just, quad, or you try to make everything, all that stuff is, is just in sort of economy of scale. It becomes exactly. a bigger deal. And right. it's the easiest when you're coming from a base of just two people because, oh, well, well we got space. We're both with this person. And then for every person past that, it becomes a whole different set of questions because let's be honest, we're all Gen X and millennials. None of us have any money. That's right. And so none of us are going to buy the even pooled the giant house that you need to house like an eight adult polycule who may or may not all have children. Exactly. Right. So I know in our current polycule, there's six children between the group of us. Mm-hmm. So who's going to fit five adults and six kids in a house in any town we want to live in? Yeah. None of us. Nobody. It's just, it's so, it is so immensely expensive. And uh, I think that's why people, 
Uh, people who don't have children, I do feel uh, with any relationship, it's just <laughs> infinitely easier. And I'm I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm be and it's not even a it's not a jab or a a, a a hit at anybody who doesn't have kids. I didn't have kids until six and a half years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm 35 now, so I was never going to have kids. Uh, but it's it my life be my life became more complicated once children came into the picture. Full stop. Yeah. End of sentence. Everyone's do. Yeah. And anybody who says otherwise is is a fool of a took. And, <laughs> and it doesn't mean anything it about just... not loving them. Exactly. But so exactly. so in that same sense, uh, that may be part of why triads are that sort of goal is just because it's structurally easier uh, once you're settled. The getting settled, I think, is harder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that definitely because you don't have the option to be as parallel. Yeah. Pretty much ever yeah. when you're building from an initial couple meeting a third person. Mm-hmm. If you're coming from a place where all three people are independent people who happened to meet at the same time, mm-hmm. I think that's a whole different set of challenges, but it removes the challenges of one relationship being already formed. Yeah. Which is helpful. It is helpful. I think that, I mean, it, it's just as helpful as it is a hindrance, right? Because uh, <laughs> it, it really can be. Because if you've got three people who have, who don't, aren't in a relationship, who end up mm-hmm. coming together, then you, it, it's, it does become harder. You're, you're navigating all of these things alone and together. Um, which sounds a little weird to say, but, uh, um, everybody's emotional picadillos, everybody's, uh, uh, um, um, psychological picadillos, uh, maybe deep psychological trauma when you aren't aware of what both people now, cause now you're at a hundred, now you have to a hundred percent deal with exactly the same amount from these two other people. Uh, and not Mm -hmm. knowing what's going to happen, what's going to set them off, what's going to, to, to turn them into little balls of mush that you're going to have to pick up off the floor. Um, when you come at that and you have to deal with them simultaneously, that's really hard. And, and no one has back channel information and nobody's back channel information. And on top of which, <laughs> and on top of which all three people are dealing with the exact same problem at the exact same time of having none of this back information. So I think that's why an established couple meeting a third is so much more common because yes, this poor third person, <laughs> this poor third right. person having to come in and deal with these things, at least the upside is that they, if, if the, if the, the couple is a, a healthy uh, relationship by themselves and they are healthy mm-hmm. and communicating, then they're going to be able to help this third person say, okay, well, this is the thing that they're dealing with, or this is the thing that I'm dealing with and this. And and so I feel like that that is a, it is a crutch uh, and not, in a, you know, that eventually would be removed just by the nature of suddenly you all eventually know most of the things about each other. Right. The relationship becomes longstanding enough that they're all secure. Which is the biggest so, issue, right? <laughs> I'm going to try to summarize some of the things that you said. <laughs> Best of luck. Uh, and you can tell me if I've got them approximately right. Go for it. You've basically said that triads are always hard because you have to work on nurturing all of 
each of these individual relationships as well as the group relationship. You've said that it is helpful if at least one of the relationships is established beforehand. But not required. But not required. But that it is helpful just because there's one secure relationship already. You're only sort of growing three at once, not four at once. But it's also a hindrance in terms of the self-esteem and the fact of feeling like you're not a part of the initial thing. Like, that's another part of it, too. Well, right. The the third person has a harder time. It is. But two people being able to reassure them can also balance that a little easier. A little easier. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, That your longest standing triad, this beautiful six and a half year relationship with your husband and your wife, basically was able to form so well because you guys let each of the steps form organically. You and Vanessa fell in love. Ken and Vanessa were already in a stable relationship. Mm -hmm. You and Ken fell in love slower afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that is part of why you feel that it was so successful in the longer term. Another part was also that uh, the way the quad that you were in dissolved was almost a bonding experience for you guys because you all went through this negative experience together. Totally. We had a common villain without a doubt that definitely. Right. Yeah. And Not that I'm advocating people building triads through common villains, but I'm saying that that was part of why it was easier that this third relationship grew in slower. Yeah. Well, it also highlighted the fact that you could, for us and for me especially, it it highlighted the fact that we're going to be able to love at different levels, uh, at different ways, not even different levels, but different ways. And uh, I want to make sure you get away from that. Without them having to be levels. Exactly. That's what I want to get away from, not using the word levels. That that distinction is really hard to get to with monogamous programming of, well, if you love two people, one of them must be more you were able to discover that it's not more, it's differently. Exactly. Exactly. And that that's one of those sort of core tenets of polyamory. Yep. And essentially that lots of people come to polyamory through triads because lots of people in our monogamous society are already in relationships. Or have been in and therefore are the most comfortable starting there. Right. Um, Yeah. So if that's roughly our summary of why people want to be in triads, as a summary of some of the things that we mentioned that are hard about them that you need to pay attention to, uh, we've got giving equal attention to the dyads and not just everybody together. Absolutely. Managing everybody together time as well, because that is another relationship that may have its own dynamic. Mm -hmm. Understanding the difference between structural uh, hierarchy and emotional hierarchy and realizing that one may exist and one may not. One will exist Mm -hmm. and one may not, Um, you know, uh, in terms of, of structural will certainly exist. Um, well, uh, I guess maybe not if they all don't live together, but you know, it may exist or may not. So I'll take that back. I'll say that. Yeah. And, uh, that it's 
slightly harder if one of the people is coming in later for that third person to manage the challenges of structural hierarchy and self-esteem, but that everyone has those challenges early in a triad. And that just like in other forms of polyamory, you have to sort of work through moments of jealousy and issues of self-esteem and that your partners should be there to reassure you through them. But early in a triad may not know how to yet. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so you all need to communicate about how to. Yeah. And Does that sound about right? I, I absolutely do. And and I agree with you. And the other thing is I would consider, and this might be the big thing, and this might sound a little scary for mm. people, but when you consider the number of first relationships of monogamy that do not work mm -hmm. out, how many people mm -hmm. and their high school sweethearts are certainly don't last. Mm -hmm. Um you should consider the same thing when you go into polyamory, that the first relationships you have, no matter how strong your first, your monogamous relationship is now, maybe this is your seventh or eighth monogamous relationship and you've been with them mm -hmm. now for 10 years, your first polyamorous relationship, there is a good chance it may not last. Uh, right. because that's just the odds. If you, you know, the odds of monogamous relationships are the, the odds of polyamory are the same as monogamy in the sense. Let's go by those, you know, there's, these are amorphous things, but you know, mm -hmm. that's, it's more likely that that's not going to work out. And I'm speaking as somebody whose first polyamorous relationship is their strongest, but it, not in this yeah, form but though. You had done a lot of practice on the sort of self-esteem work and things like that yeah. in being sexually open for many years mm -hmm. before you reached polyamory. It's true. And also the other part so, of it is that my, technically the first form of it, now I realize it wasn't the one that succeeded because our first form was a quad and that failed miserably in a fire. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> you, it was your college sweetheart, not your high school sweetheart. Well done. Exactly. Um, so a little, a little but... <laughs> Still not common, but well done. True, true. And uh, as one final sort of thought on all of this, it is not just that we're trying to either promote or downplay triads and quads as a form of relationship. Mm -hmm. It's that we're trying to give people information that they can use to know that they're not alone in their struggles in them or in their desire to enter polyamory in this way. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, I mean, as as it is so obvious to those who speak about this on a regular basis and who listen to it a lot, I'm sure the fact that polyamory is not for everybody, um, mm -hmm. and just like monogamy is not for everybody just like quads or triads or whether it's kitchen table or, or parallel, none of these things are for everybody, but everything is for somebody. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's the thing to remember is that, and it's, they all take work. If it's, if you feel like it's, it's not taking any work at all, you are amazing at deluding yourself and that's awesome. And I love you for it, but you're not, you're, yep, you, you are, are yeah. almost certainly ignoring someone's needs exactly. if you really think it's been no work. Yeah, exactly. So as long as you understand You are that dude. You are the dude. <laughs> if you sit at a poker game in the first five minutes, you don't see the sucker at the table. You're the sucker. That's, that's, that's it. <laughs> Yes, and ladies can also be that dude just Totes. for totes. Yeah, 
dude is a, is a I, non-gendered that, term. That is a <laughs> gender non-biased attempt at using the word dude. Yeah. It's the closest we'll get today. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's been lovely speaking with you. Thank you so much. And well. I think that's how we're going to wrap this topic. Sounds so good. thanks a lot. I enjoyed this immensely. And hopefully we'll talk about other things soon, which I'll bloviate on to uh, with little to no uh, scientific scientific support. So that'll be great. Yeah, we don't really need scientific support for relationship stuff, uh, yeah. mostly because all it requires is being human and having a heart. And like most of my experts for this season, you are only an expert because you keep showing up and trying it. So that was my conversation with Daniel Greenwolf, whose Greenwolf podcast and website you can find in the notes. As always, our intro and outro music are provided by the lovely Vince Conaway, whose site you can also find in the notes. And this has been the Ready for Polyamory podcast. Uh, you can find more information on this topic in our May 6th post at readyforpolyamory.com. If you especially enjoyed the episode and want to become a supporter regularly, our Patreon is at patreon.com slash readyforpolyamory. If you just want to give a one-off tip, we have a Ko-Fi at ko-fi.com slash readyforpolyamory. And uh, as always, the blog is there Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We'll be back next Saturday with an episode on jealousy. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.